Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, says this. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for whose sake? His sake. He says, my sake. For Jesus' sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For they, so they persecuted the prophets who were before you, and, and you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? How many of you like extra salt on your chips? You know what chips, we're in South Texas, I'm talking about tortilla chips. I'm talking about ruffles, I'm talking about tortilla tortilla chips I know some people immediately without even tasting the first thing they'll do grab the salt just pour it all over that's all right salt adds enhances it enhances the flavor well that's a lot like your life okay when you come in and on the scene wherever you were stationed or assigned by God I call it your job your career and assignment because God really put you there to be an influence there's something about you that should whet the appetite and make life seem better when you come around because you're the church. And so the scripture said that prophets were, were persecuted and then it says in 13 again, it is then good for nothing but thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill cannot be hid, nor do they light a, a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Turn to someone and tell them, please tell them, let your light shine. You've got God in your life, let God be known. Let your faith be known. Not your fear, not your anxiety, not your stress, but the light of God. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. That means Christianity has some works with it. We're not saved by works, but faith without works is dead, right? So we have to do something with that and glorify your Father in heaven. So when we do these things and when we act by faith and we begin to follow after him and become the light, become the salt, then God gets all the glory. And he said, and I want to emphasize that, he said, the glory may be given, that means the credit may be given to your heavenly father. So now he's not identifying us and them as just people. He's identifying us as family. As family. And I want you to think about that for a moment. He's saying glorify your father. Not just his at that moment. Now he's telling them your father too we're family you're part of the body you have the blood of Jesus his DNA his name the life of Christ was essential in the in the earth when he was here for 33 years and for those three years of ministry he impacted the world it was essential for him to go to he said I need to go to Samaria I, I he, he went to to Jerusalem he went to the towns that nobody would go to because there were people that nobody wanted Jesus is essential in our life but we need to figure out why we are we need to figure that out and get that settled in our mind how important we are because you you are important 
you have a purpose. We all have a calling. We all have a ministry. But without you, the world wouldn't know Jesus, and that's vital because you're the body of Christ. How many of you believe that? You believe that you're that important? If you don't believe it, hopefully I can persuade you by the time this is over to help you understand how important you are. Will you pray for the service now? Those of you that are watching online, will you bless this service right now? Would you just ask God to anoint me and, 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 and shift the atmosphere wherever you're at? Let's do that together. Come on. I agree with you. Father, I agree, God. We ask you for your anointing. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice like you know he hears you. We agree today that we are going to receive, that we are going to pull out, God, and withdraw a deposit that's been made for us for this day. We're going to withdraw, God, love and peace and strength and joy. We're going to find our significance in you, and we want you to be significant to the world through us. God, today, make it happen in this moment. In Jesus' name, And everybody say amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, even though the air condition is out, we're okay. And you can be seated. <laughs> One unit went out and made a huge difference. Think, I, this is where you thank God for people who know how to work on AC units in the church. A little sweat won't hurt us. So listen, let me tell you. This past week, I went out to eat at a barbecue restaurant uh, place. And um, I, I just, you know, you get that urge every once in a while for some smoked meat. And we went, and when, I got, when we got to the restaurant, it was packed. I put it on Facebook. If you follow me, you'll find a little headshot I took behind me. And uh, I just was thinking, boy, people are out, and, and they're doing well, and, and I can't wait for church. And I went in town yesterday, and I drove around, and I thought, wow, it's like, like we're in Houston, the traffic was so backed up, and I thought maybe there was an accident. I thought maybe something had happened. And, but really what happened was is that people started coming out again. I mean, I'm telling you, they were shopping, not just the essential places. But there were people lined up at Lowe's, people lined up at everywhere you can think of, and shopping for home decor, people shopping at places that really, you know, our economy needs that right now. And we need to bless our local businesses. And so I was so excited. And again, I thought to myself, I can't wait to see how packed the church is. So I put it on there and I say, hey, listen, it's simple. If you're healthy and you feel faith and confidence and come to church, if you're not feeling well, then stay home and join us online. Or you still feel a little, you know, intimidated by the fact that this, this virus is out there. We respect your thoughts and and your concerns, and that's why we have taken every measure possible to make it safe for you. But here's the, the facts. Life still moves on. And just recently, the president has made the churches essential, and I think that does demand a hand clap. And, but there was a lot of controversy of whether or not they really were important. I know there have been bad raps with churches that got together without following the regulations and things happened. But listen, that wasn't for all churches. Don't take an episode of what happened to one person and identify everybody else with it. 
So that controversy, really that thought, I've watched the news, I've seen people debate about it, articles written, and I began to do a little research myself, and I thought, you know, where does, where does our role take place? I know that we have, the church has always been known to, to feed the poor and to, you know, help those that are in need and always there for prayer, but there has to be more to this. And of course, I know what it is from a pastoral perspective, but I think that you need to know what your role is as well, because just because I have the title doesn't mean I don't have the towel. You understand what I mean by that? Towel represents servanthood. In fact, Jesus said, those that are greater among you shall be the, the servant, the greatest servant. Serve you more. Jesus went down and washed the feet of his disciples for an example of that servanthood and that type of mentality that he wants in the church. So we all have our place. So I started looking a little bit closer. And I started recognizing all the things that were happening around the world. And, well, the, the, the stats showed that, that there was an increase of suicide around the nation. There was an increase of domestic violence in the homes, an increase of child abuse, an increase of alcoholism, an increase of drug addiction. I looked even further and I found on abc7news.com that the Bay Area of California, they had an alarming rate of suicides that went up in their region. This isn't just there, but all around. There was a man... In Ohio, you've probably seen the video of a dad who lost his son. And I'm just repeating what he said. And he said, COVID-19 took my son, but not like you think. He looked at what happened to his son, and his son had died by suicide. A 12-year-old boy who had missed school, engaging with friends, but the only thing he did all day was play Fortnite, is what the dad said. He built up this frustration and that anxiety and the stress that affected his, his boy. When he'd lose or didn't do well on the game, he threw the controller at the screen and broke the screen. He broke the screen, he felt bad about it, and he told mom and dad he was kind of hesitant to tell Instead of the dad getting mad, he told him, you can make up for it, son. If, if you work hard, I'll buy you another screen. And the son said, okay, I'll do that. And he worked hard, kept his word, and dad kept his word and bought him another screen. Well, they're all there together again, and he got the screen back. He's back on the video game. 30 minutes went by when they were back at home, and there was silence upstairs, and he walked in, and his little sister found him hung in the closet. What had happened was the young boy, and this is news, this is out on YouTube for all of them to share, and the dad wanted everyone to know. The boy became frustrated again, all the stress that was built up, and he released all of it and broke his screen again, and he assumed that by fear, telling his parents again, he just thought this was an easy way out. But the dad said, I knew my boy. I knew what was affecting him. I know what, was, what his struggle was. And it was that feeling of isolation, that feeling of loneliness and rejection, and that feeling of just stress and anxiety. 
these are the things that happened that no one is talking about. Very few. It was very hard for me to find a lot of these things. I had to be very granular in my search and my approach. Even the Victoria Advocate began to talk about domestic violence had increased in the region. They had doubled the cause and an increase of husbands and wives fighting with each other, dads and sons, daughters and mothers, everyone began, they were stressed out by this whole pandemic and being around the house and, and losing their jobs and things that were happening in the home were escalating. There was a representative, the CEO of Midcoast Family Practice, they interviewed her as well and she said that there was a decrease in phone calls from their abuse hotline and the reason is she goes it's a sign that things aren't good at home because to them they got phone calls when the other half of the spouse whoever was causing the abuse would leave home then they would make the phone call but since they were at home they couldn't call for help so it was an indication to them in Fort Worth Doctors at Cook Children Hospital, they saw an increase of child abuse as well. And since March of this year, March 17th, I believe, they had doubled the abuse and four children that lost their lives because of abuse. There's a crisis that is really happening besides the virus. It's the spiritual life and the mentality and the stress that happens, that comes along with it. Even Anthony... Fossey, if you believe with, uh, agree with him or not, it doesn't matter. I think his name's Fucci, Fossey, whatever, tomato, p tomato. He said if we stay closed too long, he even said that it would cause an irreparable damage to our, to our minds and to our psyche. These are the things that we deal with well in church when it comes to helping people. When it comes to sharing Jesus with someone, the house of God is where people come and they leave their burdens there and talk to God. They can do it at home, sure. Anyone can pray at home. Anyone can do it any place, but there's something special about the house of God. And many times our frontline workers and people that are trying to help, they really don't look for accolades and look for recognition. And neither do we. We do what we do because we love the church and we want to make a difference. No matter how much the sacrifice is, we have our reward. Kind of reminds me of the missionary who had served for 30 years in South Africa, was finally coming back home, coming back home to the United States. And he was on his way back, but he happened to be on the same ship that President Roosevelt was on when he was returning back from his safari. So the two men were on board a ship, and as they came back into the homeland, they were, they were greeted. They were greeted. They were greeted with a parade and an ensemble of, 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 of bands and instruments and singers and banners that said, Welcome home, Mr. President. And as the president stepped off, he received all the accolades and, Welcome back home. We missed you and everything else. But as he walked off, followed shortly after him was the missionary, and no one was there to greet him. No one was there to congratulate him, celebrate him. He felt, by, he felt bothered by it. He was really emotionally, he felt disturbed by it. 
And he went home and he prayed about it. And he said, God, he said, the president, I know he's an important man, but he just went on a hunt and he just came back and he gets this homecoming reward. And he said, when I stepped off, no one was even there to greet me. And I come home to an empty house and and I, I tell you, God, I'm, I'm kind of bothered by that a little bit. And I know I probably shouldn't be, but I am. And, and he heard a whisper. He felt like the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, yeah, but you're not home yet. You're not home yet. I realize our reward is when we get to heaven. Our reward for what we do now in this world, we're going to get it back a hundredfold, a thousandfold. And God sees what we do in secret. He rewards openly. The church has done so much in the United States of America to let righteousness reign and to make a difference in our community. It's because of the blessings of God. And it's because of God being worshipped. And it's because they give us the freedom as an essential part of this nation that we're able to keep it afloat and keep it high. Even the scripture says it like this. He says righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness is what exalts a nation. There is something different about where we live. We are really and truly a blessed nation despite what difficulties we have to go through, what troubles we have to face, what viruses we have to fight. The blood of Jesus and the grace of God and the faith of God and the love of God has always distinguished us from every other nation. We are blessed because of God. We are blessed because of people. And I honor all of those who served in our nation. Today we honor all of our people who gave their lives for this country on this Memorial Day weekend, and we say, thank you, sir. Thank you, man, for serving. Thank you. If you can hear us from heaven's doors right now, we appreciate all that you've done. But God, when he's in it, no one can curse what God has blessed. This is the same principle that Abraham sought after and began to seem to negotiate with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. If you remember the story Abraham said, no, Lord, don't, don't, uh, don't destroy the nation. If we can find at least 50 righteous within that city, then would you spare it? And God said, yes, I would. Abraham knew that God had a big heart, but he knew he couldn't tolerate sin and allow it to keep going. So Abraham began to negotiate with God, if you will, again, and said, if they're 40, 30, 20, 10, God said yes every time. But there was none because when righteousness is there, it saves a city or a nation or the world. You can bet your bottom dollar. The reason why we have the freedoms we've got, the reason why we're blessed the way we are, if you have in the minimum, if you have minimum a house or just a bike to ride and pedal, you have more than half the world that's on the other side in other countries, and you're a blessed person because we are blessed in this nation. If you drove to church this morning in a car, whether it has AC or not, whether it's a newer model or an older model, you are still blessed than most people in this world. If you walked into church or you're watching online and you have the proper mentality, then you woke up in your right mind this morning and you need to thank God for that today because it's because of God we have what we have. Do you believe that this Sunday morning? Yes. Say it with me. Say Jesus is essential, and so am I. You see, you carry the Spirit of Christ. You know where the answer lies. We understand that Jesus is the reason why 
we are even sitting in this building or watching online or with our families or still married or still have our business or still blessed, whatever it might be, every good and every perfect gift, the scripture says, come straight from above, from the Father of light. It is, comes from him. It's because of his goodness and his mercy. So I want to encourage all of you to understand this one point we're giving to you today. That's this. Real peace comes from Jesus. Real peace comes from Jesus. Can I have a glass of water, please? There's something so significant about this experience. Jesus said it in John chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. He said this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Do you have that scripture, guys? It says, he will teach you. John chapter 14, verse 26. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be what? Afraid. And I'm going to give you peace, but I'm not going to give it to you like the world would give it to you. I'm going to give you something supernatural. I'm going to give you something that will embody your spirit, man, that will leak out into the parameters of your soul and affect your mind, will, and emotions. And I'm going to cause your body and all those nerves and nerve endings to be affected by the chemical reaction that's released because your spirit man has been affected. Did you know that when you pray, something chemically happens in your body that releases all the tension and the worry? Scientists have seen this, and they've recognized that there's a part of your brain that has spiritual activity. They have, brain, they, they have scanned the brains of people who have stayed in prayer, and they noticed that people, when they prayed, there are certain areas of the brain that have activity, and when they talk and when they walk and when they do anything else, other parts of the brain, but there's only one part of your brain that has a spiritual sense enough to know that there's a God and they trust in God and something happens in the body and the body begins to feel the release and you are changed by something the doctors really can't see only physically through certain x-rays and certain studies. But here's the truth. The truth is he made this body. He ought to know how it works. And he's the only one that can have this body to make sure it works well. I hope you caught that because I can't say it again. Your body, your soul, and your mind was meant to, in, to let, let God inhabit it. You can find a substitute, but it will never measure up to the satisfaction and the joy and the peace and the love that Jesus Christ gives us through his spirit. Let me say that again. Nothing will satisfy you more than his presence. Nothing. Uh, sitting on this side of the desk, I've seen it so many times. There are people out there in the world, there are people that I pastor that are way smarter than I am, more educated, with more degrees than my thermometer at home. <laughs> and I say this very humbly, and I say this with meekness, if you can feel that. That there has still been times that God has used me. 
and said things through my mouth that I had no prior knowledge of. There have been things that we have prayed for and God has answered prayers miraculously. There have been things that God has done to protect or deliver that only God can do. Miracles, things that take place. But no one gets the credit and no one wants the reward, but all the credit belongs to him, right? And all that is is evidence that there is a God and that he does work in our life. If you're one of those individuals that you've seen God work in your life and knew without a shadow of a doubt, had it not been for his grace and mercy, you wouldn't be here today. Can you give me a response right now? Can you type an amen right now? God is real. God is real. They call us fanatics. They call us foolish. They call us dumb. But Jesus said, follow me for my name's sake. They're going to persecute you. Things will happen because they happen to me. But he said, great is your reward. And he said this as well. The apostle Paul said, he said, I've become a fool for Christ's sake. For God has taken the foolish people in the world to confound the wise, the weak things in the world to confound the strong. He has taken individuals that were stuck in drugs and put them on a lifestyle and built their life and put their family together. He has taken people that were lost in sin, walking in darkness, and brought them out of darkness into his marvelous light. We serve a good God, don't we? There are people that were hooked on alcohol, that were, that were there and had addictions. Now they're addicted to Jesus and living a good life. They're not in jail. They're not in prison. But they do and can't wait to come to the house of God. The house of God is where we engage with the Spirit of God corporately. There is something powerful about this. And Jesus wasn't talking about religion. He was talking about relationship. He was talking about relationship. I know we got to, nowadays, you know, I know we have a lot of self-motivated DIYers in the house, especially with YouTube. You can look up anything from uh, sharpening, replacing your lawnmower blades all the way to giving your car tune-up. You do whatever you want to now. But there's one thing you can't do, and that is replace God. You can never replace Jesus. There's no one like him. There will be never anyone like him. There was never one before him. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I feel like preaching right now. I'm telling you that Jesus is everything. He is the chief cornerstone and the foundation in our lives. Jesus Christ is the reason marriages are still together in this world because forgiveness is invoked by the blood of Jesus Christ. The church is essential is what I'm trying to tell you. When we come together, we are the body of Christ in full motion in the earth. When we come together, we are the body of our Lord and Savior. He's the head. We're the body. And through the body, he does his work. When we come together, there are people whose lives are set free. Wherever God's placed you in your career, wherever God has graced you and gifted you to have a business, I'm telling you here today that that's your assignment and that is your area that you need to cover and pray and influence other people with, not by pushing doubt, dogmatic 
theological ideas down people's throat, but by simply loving them, by simply being a friend to them, by simply being constant in your life with Jesus. And I promise you, he'll influence and change your world, but you are the light of the world. You are a city set up on a hill that cannot be hid. And thank God, thank God, I know whether you voted for him or not, you really need to thank God for President Trump right now for opening up the churches like he did. I know. I get it. I'm not, I don't ever discuss politics. But I pray for every president we've ever had. Every one of them. Because the Bible tells us to pray for them. And every one of them have every, you know, once in a while everyone's done a great thing and we're thankful for that. But the one thing I'm very grateful for today is a pastor. And I think you ought to be as a believer that we have the freedom to worship. I'm going to pause there just for a moment for you to think about that. Try going to other countries where it's a, it's a crime. Try going to other countries where they behead you. It's real. You do the research, it's real. But here we are in God's house. People have come here today. People are watching because maybe they feel burdened. Maybe they feel that something's in their life that they can't shake loose. When the church comes together, there's a spiritual law that's an action that Jesus gave us a principle where he said, where two or three are gathered in his name, who's in the middle? Jesus said, I am in the middle. And the mist is what the King James Version says. But in our layman terms, it's like this. I'm all up in your business. That's right. We invite him in. I want him in my life. I want him in my family. We have church. All you need is two people. But you are the church. And you're essential. You're essential because... The words that come out of your mouth, the words that build people up, edify people, bring comfort, bring peace. We've approached this pandemic with wisdom. I believe in being obedient, folks. I believe that we need to be cautious. I've got a mask sitting over there at my chair. I'll wear it when I'm done preaching. I do sanitation on my hands. I've done a lot of elbows, a lot of fist bumps. I'm guilty of the fist bumps. I'm guilty also of letting someone that runs and tackles me, allowing them to, with the hug. But everyone's different, but we're all the same according to faith. But none of us should ever have fear or live by fear or let fear dictate how we're going to live our life. I think we need to be very cautious. I think we need to use wisdom. But I think now's the time to become the church. Now's the moment to pray like you've never prayed before. Now's the time to engage with God. That corporate setting that, that you come into, and, and listen, we've done social media, and I want to give, give some kudos to, to our staff and our servant leader teams and those that are working in the media department and our musicians. I'm telling you, our young people, it's every one of them, not just my kids. It's... Every one of them that are serving, every one of them that are here every week, they are doing something. 
not for themselves. They're doing it for, for you and for Jesus. They're on their assignment. But thank God, because I'm going to tell you something. Can I, can I tell you what it's like to be without a shepherd? Not me as a shepherd, per se. I'm an under-shepherd, but the real shepherd is Jesus Christ. Because he said, a shepherd gives his life for their sheep, for his sheep. I want to show you a picture. They found a, they found a, a, a sheep that was lost for six years. Kind of funny. Kind of comical. That's what some of you looked like during this pandemic. You didn't get a haircut. That's how my oldest boy looked. Right? How many of you guys had that going on for a little while? They found this sheep that had been lost for six years roaming up on the hillside, the mountains. What happened during that time, look at that poor thing. You can't, it could barely move. You see, because the responsibility of a shepherd is to shear the coat. It's for their profit as well. But it takes care of the sheep. And if you can look real closely, there are some things that, that really, they took out most of it, but things that, that get caught up in the coat. Let me show you the picture after when they begin to shave it. Kind of pixelated, but you can tell. Now, I'm going to use this for an example. Leave that there just for a second. That first picture, go back to it, in fact. Just go back to it. That first picture is what we looked like without church. That's what we looked like without the church. Carrying burdens. Nowhere to release that weight. Seeing your brothers and sisters to remind you that you're not alone. You're not by yourself. A place where you can come and lift up your hands and cry if you want, or smile if you want, laugh if you want. Loneliness is one of the top torments that the devil would love to do and keep you in his loneliness. Keep you isolated, away from this side of the, again, from my experience as a pastor, when I see people who, who say, well, I don't go to a church because I have church at home. I have my own church. Um, my pastor is Jesus. That's great. That sounds wonderful. But most of the time I see them carrying so many burdens, things that they don't know how to let go of, things that they've never experienced in the presence of God in a corporate setting that God has specially ordained. Listen, the scripture says where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. I'm going to read you this real quickly. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go ahead and go to that scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. <clears throat> For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You understand what he just said there? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That means that when you come around another believer, 
They're supposed to challenge you, encourage you, where it stirs up the love of God, and you feel like doing something good for someone else because someone was good to you. So you stir up the gifts. You stir up the good works. You stir up the fact that you know that you're not alone and you're in this with other people and you learn a culture. You've got a community of believers and you don't feel lonely. Church is important. Church is essential. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Some have believed that speaking of the day of the Lord when Jesus comes back, some have thought that that's the day that you die and meet God. Whatever it is, whatever your theology may think it is, either way, coming to church makes you a better person and prepares you. Coming to church, assembling together. For, we, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there's no, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. In other words, it's hard for you to find a place of repentance. But go back to the picture. Go back to the one after they began to shear him. Look how small his body was compared to all that had grown up around him. The reason why you're essential is because you have the privilege of going before your heavenly father and releasing your cares to him. He said, come to me, all you that are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. And a person who doesn't carry all those weights become a blessing to other people. That's the condition God wants you in. A strong position in your life. One where you feel the goodness and experience the goodness of God. Have the wisdom of God where you can help other people, counsel them, encourage them, let them know. The reason why some of us have gone through things, you feel like maybe you felt like that sheep. Maybe now you feel like this one after you come to church because it does make a difference when you're in the hands of the shepherd. David looked at himself like a sheep at times, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I don't need anybody else as long as I have him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He what? Restores my what? Soul. Restores my soul. I'm going to step out and make a real strong statement, and I'll stand behind it. I believe... That the local church has the answer for people who have suicidal thoughts if it's not brought on by something physically or chemically imbalanced in their body. If it's a spiritual thing, we can pray it can go. The other good news is this. He is the great physician just like he is a great shepherd. He can also heal you if you believe, if whoever prays for you believes. Ultimately, I believe the local church is the answer for peace in the world. Don't judge every church by one dogmatic religious group of people who tried to force religion down your throat and force their beliefs. The church grows through love and encouragement 
and the walk that you carry and the walk that you possess in your life will be the greatest influence you'll ever have in your world. The Apostle Paul said it like this. Your, your, your epistles written and seen by all men. Jesus was the Word, and the Word be, was made flesh, and, and He dwelt among us. But as many as received Him, to them He gave power to become the sons of God and influence their world. We've also learned that, that there's a big difference. We thank God for technology, and we're growing in our technology. But it's not the same as coming together. There's something here. Just by a show of hands... How many of you, when you came into church and you started to worship and you, even during the preaching, you have felt something that you didn't feel at home? Raise your hand. Are we crazy? If we're all feeling the same thing, are feeling God, how do you know God is real? Because experience validates the word. It's, the Bible is the only book you can read where the author is present with you all the time and you can feel him. He'll confirm it. He'll change things in your life. It's not coincidence. It's not just coincidence. There's a God. Some people call him a higher power. Some people call him the universe. Some people have different names, but we call him Jesus. He has a name that's above every name. God gave the name among men whereby we must be saved. Now listen, I'm closing with this. Come on, Haley. I I don't believe everything that's on the internet, but I read this and I thought, well, I'm going to share that. I think it's true. If you have gone shopping, dining, or vacationing during this pandemic, it's time to go back to church. Abraham Lincoln. I just uh, seems legit to me. I don't know. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. But it's a fact. I could have said when I was up here that there are people that aren't here today that have been out shopping at the malls. Our stores, our vacation, that, but I'm not going to say that. I would never say that in church. I wouldn't do that. Could say that, you know, no, I'm not going to say. <laughs> I'll say this you're important. Your peace and light in this world. You are very essential. Just by you being here, engaging with God, you're carrying something home, and it won't be a virus in Jesus' name. It'll be a spirit, the spirit of Christ. And you're going to take that love, and you're going to take that wisdom, and take that faith, and you're going to have a better week because of it. And you're going to want to wake up in the morning and seek God first. The church is, by the way, open for prayer again Tuesday through Fridays. Somebody say praise God. We had a great crowd this past week. Everyone scattered out. They come at different times. They take communion. Something happens. Friday is actually by the Jewish calendar, the first day of the week. So you are coming today to give God your first fruit of your time. Did you know that? You're tithing on your week by being here, giving God the first fruit of it. 24 hours of the day, service lasts about maybe, what, two and a half hours, two hours? Yeah. That's, about a, that's about 10% of the, the day. Yeah. 
your tithing. Did you know that? Did you ever think about that? Everything that you give to God first, He'll bless the rest. I'm going to encourage all of you watching online and those that are here today, it's time to be the church. Walk with caution, walk with wisdom, but be faith-filled people. Be people of faith, not of fear, not of hatred. Don't criticize our government. Pray for our government. Pray for our government, folks. Don't criticize the businesses around here, any businessman or anyone else. Whoever it is that you've got a problem with, it's time to pray. It's time to seek God. God can change things. God can do something different. You can't do it alone. God can make the difference. God works through the church. God works through the church. I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you joined us online. But we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray that God would just anoint us and strengthen us with the revelation and the reality of who we are. You're not just somebody who came to church to sit down and take up a spot or signed up online to register. You are the church of the living God, the body of Christ that God has ordained and commissioned. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. That God has ordained and commissioned to change your world. If you want to see change, let change begin right here. As we lift up our hands, Let's just begin to worship Him right now. Ask God to use you. Ask God to help you bring somebody that's been lost, that's been out there wondering, how many people do you know in your life that looks like that one sheep that's just carrying so much? How many people do you know that you can lead to the Good Shepherd and help them? You may know somebody that's on the verge of suicide, You may know somebody that's on the verge of just simply giving up. Someone who's in depression. Someone who's hurting economically. You may be the blessing in their life. Ask God to use you and show you right now. That's our assignment today. Ask the Lord to open your eyes. Give you a heart to see like He sees.